0: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Jake Podcast. I'm your host, Jake Brainy. On this Friday, July 16th, uh, it's it's been a while, it's been a while since uh, since I did a podcast with you guys. It's probably since the beginning of June. Yeah, it's been over a month. Uh, I knew that was going to be a while, though. So you know, sorry if, to those who expect a regular podcast, a weekly podcast. You know, to wake up to Friday mornings. But you know what? I had a vacation and the idea of doing one on vacation is always a good idea at the time but then when vacation hits i'm like no i'm not going to do one right now so I uh, have lined up a couple different things to do throughout this summer uh, before the fall hits but it's just been a little different uh been you know busy recently so um had to kind of like change it up a little bit but got some fun things coming this summer's going to have some different ideas considering sports season all out of whack this year but Really cool stuff going on here. So, uh, without further ado, let's just jump right into it because uh, I have some fun things to talk about. This is going to be a Marvel-centric episode again. I know, like that's not always for everybody, but I'm going to include a little bit of sports to start as well. So it's not going to be 100% Marvel like it was in episode uh, what was that 114 with Brendan Engelstad? Great episode, but. Um, there's been a lot going on in Marvel, so it's been worth talking about, and there's a lot more to get to later, so, but we'll start off with a little bit of sports, because it has a, you know, this is kind of like a sports-centric podcast, the NFL, really, right now, no news is good news, you know, you have, like, it, the, the only things that come out this time of year are, um, like, injuries, and uh, suspensions, players getting in trouble, players failing drug tests, uh, getting caught for steroids once in a while like this is the bad t- time of NFL season however you know we are camp is two weeks away I think it was two weeks from yesterday for the Browns and uh, this time of the year you just want to stay away from the news because all it is is just bad stuff it's it's dumb pointless rankings that it's like oh Baker Mayfield's not even a top 10 AFC quarterback or you know it, it, it's all stuff to just drive up it's like you know the NFL's king. So we need to drive up some conversation somehow. So how do we do it? Well, it's different rankings. It's different arguments. And it's basically that went from that being good enough to now it's just throw shit against the wall and see what sticks. And uh, that's now what happens. You know, Colin Cowherd does that where he's like, I know riling up Browns fans gets me a lot of engagement. So I'm going to do it even if I sound like a moron. And now ESPN does it all the time, you know, whether it's the the get-up team or really just anyone that comes on. Mike Tannenbaum has now dipped his toes into the let's sound ridiculous, use Browns fans to drive up my attention. And now people will talk about me on their podcasts like, oh, like Jake So. I try to avoid that, but it's really impossible. Uh, I'm, I'm easy to, like, you know, get under my skin. So uh, it, when I hear these things, I'm like, it's stupid, and I got to tweet about it. So it is what it is. But that's all that really comes out this time of year for NFL. Uh, the only other good things that come could come out are, like, player interactions. Like, if your team pick or not player interactions, but player transactions. Uh, If your team picks up a free agent or makes a trade for a player that wanted out like, yes, those can happen from time to time. But uh, the way the Browns are set up, they've made all their moves. Now it's about getting guys to the regular season and uh, really, you know, mixing everything together so it fits right. And uh, I think we're pretty close to that. So I'm pretty excited. But uh, we'll have a lot of Browns stuff to talk about in the coming weeks. Months, years, whatever. But uh, July, not a great time to talk about them. So moving along. All right, uh, NFL, not much. Uh, the Olympics, the Olympics are going on. So they haven't started quite yet. Right now, it's just um, trials and you know, kind of forming the teams. I don't think this, the Olympics actually start for another three weeks. So people are freaking out about Team USA. Uh, they lost to Nigeria And they lost to Australia before beating Argentina. And a lot of people are looking at that and freaking out. Well, um, not that, look, Argentina puts together, or uh, not Argentina, Australia puts together a pretty good squad every year, even though they don't even have their best players uh, there. Like, not all of them. They have some good ones, but um, they do have a couple NBA players, but they don't have their full, like, you know, arsenal, and they still beat USA. That being said, USA never has their full arsenal. They're, they're typically picking like, um, you know, guys that aren't really all NBA guys. Like Steph Curry's not there, uh, LeBron's not there, and I know LeBron's not the LeBron of old, but he's still not there. Chris Paul is in the final still. Kawhi Leonard is hurt. Paul George isn't there. Uh, so there's tons of players that aren't there, and I know they do, still do have some good players there. But they've had three guys go into the health and safety protocol. They've had, you know, Kevin Love dropped out, which is just like bad news for Cavs fans. Like the Cavs were looking at this as like, all right, one last chance to see if we could get trade value for Kevin Love because he really doesn't want to be here in Cleveland. Like, as much as he does try to be positive on the sidelines and like encourage the young players, there's just way too much drama around him. And it's before I was willing to look past it. But now it's like getting in the way of the young player development. And it's like, it seems like every time something bad about Kevin Love comes out, something sneaks out to Jason Lloyd uh, or Chris Fedor about uh, Colin Sexton. And then it's like, it's like, wow, this really just feels like someone wanted to get the attention off them. So they made up some bullshit about Colin Sexton. Uh, so it's hurting the team. And it's like, okay, maybe you can get. You know something for Kevin Love. Um, maybe you can trade him for another big contract player. Whether it's like I don't know, Eric Gordon or a uh, uh, Stephen Adams. I don't even know if these players would like qualify or if something would work. But you were hoping that Kevin Love would do well enough in for Team USA, being like, listen, he's surrounded by superstars. All he has to do is make his open shots, hit open passes, and rebound the ball, and not be a super liability on defense. Which are all things he can do. We know he can do that. It's not asking a lot. And if he was able to do that while USA goes to the gold, it would drive up his trade value. It ju- it just would. Like that's how it would work. However, USA falling apart and him dropping out. It's like this was probably like the worst possible thing that could happen for Kevin Love joining Team USA. So it is what it is. Let's see. You know what happens. Maybe they, it seems like they're going to buy him out now, and uh, which always stinks. Uh, but you know, uh, Evan Damarell pointed out, hey, if Kevin Love gives back $13 million and he becomes a free agent, the Cavs can spend the rest of his, I think, like $47 million over five years, which is like $9 million a year. Um, I think that would work out. That wouldn't be, like, the worst thing in the world. I hate the whole, like, buyout thing because it just, like – you you look at it as like okay you're cutting your ties but you're not cutting your ties you're just basically spanning kevin love's contract out over a span of five years and like why don't you just like you know dan gilbert doesn't need the money just just keep him and just let him leave as a free agent or keep him for one more year see if he can actually help your team because he's still like a decent basketball player see if he can help your team at all and um and then, look, he's an expiring contract, and then teams love expiring contracts. They hate him when they have two years, $60 million left, but they love him when they have one year, $30 million left. So uh, you would like to be able to get to that point, or you'd like to be able to at least trade them and be like, oh, you got to pick in the 30s or 40s for Kevin Love, and uh, what you got in exchange for him was a player that can actually help them uh, that doesn't hate players that are here. So... I don't know. It's it's a really messy situation, and uh, I don't want the Cavs to trade a young asset just to get rid of Kevin Love. Uh, that would be the worst thing, which is you know leads me to my next point. Um, so, Colin Sexton, right? He's going into his like final year under his rookie contract. He's extension eligible, and he's probably going to demand a max contract because he's a twenty-two year old. Who, has, who averages 24 points a game, is just a menace at getting to the rim and is only getting better and has excellent shooting splits. If you really look at him by the numbers and you block out the names, him, Jamal Murray, and Donovan Mitchell are like the same guy at the same age. So like and, and and people love those guys because Donovan Mitchell and Jamal Murray have been on good teams, but but Colin Sexton hasn't on, hasn't been on a good team yet. So on the one hand, you have this rising star, which Colin Sexton is. He is a rising all star. He he is not an all star yet. He was close this year. I felt like he was getting close this year, but didn't work out. It's just, it's tough to make the all star teams because you typically have like five guards in the Eastern Conference, and it's like that's a tough group to break through um now that especially since Kyrie and James Harden are in the east so it's tough to like break through that group but he is he is a rising star and he is 22 years old and he's putting up these numbers um I understand he's not a great mix with D- Darius Garland like and I agree like I really like Darius Garland he's like a pure point guard he has great speed he's got a great handle and awesome passes um when he's putting it all together, you're like, this is the guy you want leading the offense, and then you just put shooters and bigs around him, and you're gonna have a good team. Like, like, cause he will make it work. Um, but him and Colin Sexton, super liability defensively in the backcourt because they're both small. Uh, they're basically both point guards. I know Colin Sexton like doesn't play point guard anymore, even though people still want to label him point guard. He's the size of a point guard and a lot of teams that would want him would probably want to put him at the point. They wouldn't want to put him at the two. Uh, So, you know, call that whatever you will, but they're a defensive liability. Uh, Offensively, it's a great combo because Sexton gets to the hole really well. He shoots from the outside really well. Garland shoots from the outside really well and he finishes pretty well too. So as an offensive combo, really nice upside. As a defensive combo, horrible upside. Um, so a lot of people are throwing in this like, okay, the Cavs want to get rid of Colin Sexton. The Cavs don't want to pay Colin Sexton. Uh, first of all, we got to be careful about what rumors we listen to, right? Because we've heard Colin Sexton rumors ever since the Cavs drafted him. And nothing has happened with him other than the Cavs sticking with him, giving him the ball, and letting him be the lead dog. And he's set not like, you know, historic Cavs records, but he is in Cavs records books for like, you know, basically points by a certain age where it's like, hey, it's him LeBron and Kyrie. Like, you know, if if not for LeBron and Kyrie, he'd be setting a lot of Cavalier records if that makes sense. So it it's he's a really solid piece, but I understand the want to trade him because it's not a great fit around Garland. Maybe you want more of like a, you know, a, a bigger shooting guard, more of a slasher, uh, or I mean, not a slasher, more of like a pure shooter. Whereas Colin Sexton, he has like, he has nice numbers from the outside, but he's not like a catch and shoot, like, you know, automatic jump shot guy. Um, that being said, if you trade him, it's going to be tough to upgrade from him and we'll get to upgrading from him in a minute, but you know, Knicks fans want him. Heat fans want him. Uh, the Pelicans are in talks with them, The Pacers. There have been... There's a lot of uh, interest out there. So we'll see who actually is real because it sounds like the Heat and the Knicks are the most aggressive. Now, I don't really like what the Heat have to offer. I don't think... Like, I understand they have good players and Heat fans. You know, Heat fans and Knicks fans have jumped in my mentions this week because they're pissed at me. Uh, Which, you know, it's whatever. It's fine. Um, But what the Heat have to offer, I don't love. Because... If you're giving up Colin Sexton, you're giving up your leading scorer, a 22 year old who's only getting better, uh, 24 points a game, great shooting splits, a bulldog on the floor, great speed. He's he's like a coast to coast nightmare. So, and and every team likes him. Every team wants him. The Knicks are like, oh man, if we had Colin Sexton, we're gonna be like close to the NBA finals. Okay, they say that. And then they're like, well, Colin Sexton isn't good enough for us to give up quickly or RJ Barrett. And you could think that, and that's fine. But don't also say Colin Sexton is going to elevate you to an NBA Finals team if you're saying he's not worth those players. Like, you got, like, something's got to get. He's either worth that much or he's not worth that much. So uh, that's where Knicks fans are like, it, you know, so annoying because it's like, okay. They realize they don't need Obi Toppin and they don't want to wait around to develop him because right now he's really, you know, he's got a nice shot and he's got, uh, he's a really fun dunker, but he doesn't offer anything else. And he is even worse defensively than Kevin Love is. Not to mention, he's almost a full year older than Colin Sexton, who's had three years in the NBA, whereas Obi Toppin just finished his first year where. His averages are really low because he couldn't get any playing time. And part of that is Julius Randle was, uh, is a power forward as well and was most improved player this year and was a huge, if not the biggest and only reason for the Knicks' success this year. So I understand why he didn't get the playing time and that Thibodeau doesn't love playing rookies, but don't act like, oh, you're basically getting uh, Obi Top in a lottery pick. It's like, no, 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 no. Seven teams passed on him for a reason. Okay, and if the Knicks passed on, who knows if he if he would have went lottery or not. Like I think I he's not a lottery pick anymore. He is a one-year guy in who has clear flaws. All right. So, if that's your main piece and you just want to include Kevin Knox, who by the way, like calling him a lottery ticket at this point is generous. Like you've seen Kenner, Kevin Knox for 3 years and on 2 years of bad teams, he couldn't get any playing time. And this year, the Knicks were finally pretty good, still didn't get any playing time. He's right now your ninth or tenth man, and the best thing he has is size because he is a wing. uh, And honestly, like, what are you going to do with him? Because then you're also going to be acquiring Kevin Knox, who, okay, let's say he doesn't have a great year this year you're going to try and give excuses for and say well it was his first year in this new offense he was trying to figure out his whole team and it's like all right well that's four years in the nba now now it's time to pay him like colin sexton you're ready to pay colin sexton but kevin knox not really so that's that's the part where like i i'm i'm you're missing me with this whole like uh you know kevin knox value thing he is a throw in to make salaries match up. And if it works out for the team acquiring him, it works out. But to think that he is like the second piece in a deal for the guy that's going to make you an NBA Finals contender, not going to work. They do have the 19th and the 21st pick. They have a high second round pick. They have other young players. Isaiah Qu- uh, Quickly looked pretty good this year. Or no, not Isaiah, Emmanuel Quickly looked pretty good this year. And a Thibodeau favorite, which he doesn't typically like young guards or uh, rookie guards now every everyone in Cleveland is circling RJ Barrett because we want we and Kobe wanted him the moment he became draft eligible we wanted that top three pick so bad the year was Zion John RJ they got number five and they got Darius Garland which this year has shown like okay Darius Garland huge huge step forward um that's that's my main thing. If if we're going to be dealing with the Knicks, that is uh, that's something I want to circle. Is RJ Barrett? Now Knicks fans are like, you're crazy. We're not trading RJ Barrett. I'm like, all right, that's fine. But if you're not including RJ Barrett, I'm not sure I want to give you Colin Sexton because we'd be giving you like your your number one scorer possibly. So we want something that we can build around because we're currently building around Colin Sexton. So like, there's got to be a meet us halfway thing. If it's quickly plus 19 and 21, that might be close. That like I'm not going to lie. That might be close. I still don't want to do that trade because the guys you get at 19 and 21 aren't starters. And quickly, I don't know if he's a starter. So like, I think the Cavs are getting worse with this deal. They're getting deeper, and they're still getting younger because you'd be getting guys that are younger than Colin Sexton. But I don't know. I'm still really iffy on that, and there's no reason to trade him. But Cavs fans are so split on Sexton right now. It's a real bummer. The one thing I don't want to see is we we dumb down the Sexton return because someone's willing to take on Kevin Love. Like, we can't let Kevin Love get in the way of maximum value for Colin Sexton. And that's where the Heat jump in because they have contracts that are one year deals that can line up with Sexton or with, with Love. You know, guys like Igudala and, uh, and, and Gordon Dragic and and other, basically, like, players that really, like, you know, are, like, nice rotation guys, but then it's like, okay, but what are you getting for Colin Sexton in this? You know, Precious Achua may be a starting power forward, but we already have multiple starting power forwards, and we have the number three pick in the draft, which really, most likely, is going to be a power forward slash center in Evan Mobley. So, like, like if Achua is the forward off the bench, the four off the bench with Larry Nance and Jared Allen, like, and and we already have, you know, Torian Prince plays minutes at the four. It's just like, I, I don't really see a huge role for Achua. And then Tyler Harrow, like had a big down, a, a very down year this year. So I'm not seeing a lot of value in a trade to the heat where it just seems like all we'd be doing is helping them out. That's all. So where we stand with Sexton is a a disconnect. The Cavs and their fans and their front office value Sexton like an up-and-coming star because he's 22 years old and he averages 24 points a game on great splits and all signs are pointing up for him to be just one of the better scoring guards in the league. And the rest of the NBA sees, well, he is a one-dimensional Put your head down and put the ball at the rim, guy. We're not willing to give up any young assets for or or any valuable assets for. So we're going to give you a bunch of secondary pieces and you're just going to say, okay. So I'm really curious to see what the actual price would be. You know, if, if like it's Colin Sexton plus what to get Brandon Ingram, it's Colin Sexton. To RJ Barrett, like how close is that type of deal? Like, I'm sure the Cavs would want RJ Barrett and a pick if they're getting if they're giving up Colin Sexton. Maybe not 19 or 21, maybe it's a second round pick, or maybe it's a future pick and it's it's protected or whatever. But I think the Knicks would say if we're giving up Barrett, we want Sexton and a pick, or Sexton and a play. Like I I just see a lot of of miscommunication with the value of things so I don't know if he gets traded, and to be honest, I wouldn't want to because I don't think we're getting Jalen Green. I think Jalen Green is going number two to Houston, um, unless Houston and Detroit swap picks, in which I I think that makes the most sense because it seems like Houston really wants Cade and Detroit is happy with Jalen Green, so I still think a swap might happen there where Detroit either drafts, drafts Cade, and then Houston drafts Jalen Green, and they trade guys and, and you know figure out compensation later, or they trade before the draft because Houston's like, look, we can't afford to let Cleveland jump us for Cade. We really want Cade. But I have a feeling Houston's kind of okay with Jalen Green at this point. It seems like him and Kevin Porter Jr. are buddies. The combo of them being like a 2-3, but also like KPJ can play a little point, and um, them as like a combo for the future is really nice to build around which like really hurts as a Cavs fan because you're like wow that could easily be us right now if we didn't just dump Kevin Porter Jr. I mean think about that think of the Cavs just kept Kevin Porter Jr. in the G League all year they were like look we think he needs some growing up we think he like he had that tirade over nothing Instead of trading them for two picks that you're never going to see because that's what they got from Houston is two picks that won't be conveyed by Houston. They were like, oh, it's only it's top 55 protected picks, meaning Houston has to be a top five team in the league to to actually get those second round picks 56 overall ridiculous. So he dumped Kevin Porter Jr. for nothing. He's in Houston. We could have just kept him at the G League. Watch him just dominate in the G League and be like, guess what? We have another super asset. Maybe KPJ would have been the difference between going up from three to one with Detroit. If you're like, hey Detroit, here's KPJ and the number three pick. That's not bad for number one. Or maybe it's that and like I don't know, like like Chetty Osman or like a protected first round pick next year. I don't know what I don't know what it would have been, but it would have been a nice huge asset that Houston doesn't have that we would have. Or you keep KPJ and you're like, listen, we are going to trade Colin Sexton, and we're going to get up to number one, and then we're going to draft Cade Cunningham to be with Kevin Porter Jr., Darius Garland, Isaac Okoro. Like, oh my God, like what a core! But you dumped him for nothing. I understand you got Jared Allen pretty cheap which is great and I'm excited because I think they're going to sign him to a contract. I don't want to see him leave. I know he's a restrictive free agent so you could get something if he does leave, but I don't want to see him leave. I think he like Colin Sexton like is only scratching their potential right now and you, what you could see is like an all defensive player type, you know, maybe he's not like Rudy Gobert uh, at center, but like he seems like he's got the length to block anybody. He's got great rebounding skills. He and Darius Garland have a great um, uh, like alley oop game going in the pick and roll game. So that's a lot of fun, and I would really like to see that for the years to come uh, at the point guard center combo, and then just figure out the wings from there. Because I feel like all you have to do is just keep drafting athletic guys and and you know bank on Isaac Okoro or a Jalen Green or an Evan Mobley sticking up. But I don't think we're getting Jalen Green. I think we're getting Evan Mobley. Which is another reason not to trade Colin Sexton because it's like if you trade Colin Sexton after you dumped Kevin Porter Jr. for nothing, what who are you going to start at the two? And maybe you start Isaac Okoro at the two and you get someone else to play the three, but like you know whoever you get in the Colin Sexton deal, but like Evan Mobley, if we're starting him at the four, all right, now we're loaded at bigs because we're starting Evan Mobley and Jared Allen, or at least those are the franchise guys at four or five. Kevin Love. Still here, Larry Nance Jr. I really like him as like the sixth man. I think Larry Nance Jr. as a sixth man is going to be awesome. Uh, but Dean Wade deserves some time. And are we bringing back Isaiah Hartenstein? Like these are all questions that need to be answered. Are, like how important is it to load up on bigs? Now if we move Sexton and Jared Allen for a like an an all everything wing, if that's like Brandon Ingram, and then we play Evan Mobley at the five. And and you know and it's like all right he's gonna have to put on a little weight to play the five I I love him at the four as like a Garnett or like Anthony Davis type you know because they're skinny you don't really want to play him at the five but um, you know I think at the four they'd be really nice but it's clunky with shooting especially since Okoro can't really shoot that well yet so you gotta be really careful I think trading Sexton makes a lot more sense if you draft Jalen Green if Green goes to the Cavs and you have Garland and Green all right I'm ready to move Sexton but I'd still want to be like okay, can we move you know Sexton and something else to get a better version of Sexton or like a you know a really good player instead of like trading him and getting assets like it's not it's the time for assets is done. It's the time to build around a team because you can't have like five or six cornerstone guys because you're not going to be able to p- pay them all. So you might as well cash in a couple of those chips and get like three really good guys. You know, and then it's like okay, you have like a like a superstar, and then you have like a really good wingman, and then you have Garland and Allen as like solid, really good starters, and then maybe Larry Nance at the four. All of a sudden, things are making more sense now. So we will see. We'll see what happens. Uh, the lottery was was great for Cleveland. They were due with some luck, and I know people don't think that. I know people think the Cavs always move up in the lottery, but actually, that's not true. They moved up when they got the number one picks, um, but outside of that, they haven't moved up in the draft in like in eight of the last nine drafts or whatever. You know, it was like uh, Wiggins was the last time that they moved up in the draft. They got unlucky when they had the Nets pick and fell and got Colin Sexton. Right, that was unlucky. They were unlucky when they drafted Darius Garland because they were supposed to. They had the best odds at number one and uh, they fell to sec to five, and then they had the best odds again at number one the next year, and they fell to five again and got coro. so, like, there were some other guys, go- like, you know, they, in all of these drafts, like, they got decent players, and they've been, like, cashing in and doing well with their picks, but to say that the Cavs always get so lucky is not true. This was actually the first time in a while that the Cavs got lucky, and and it was the first time in the new lottery format that they got lucky. This is the third year in the new format. The first two years, they got super screwed. Tied for best odds in the of, of number one, only to fall to five. Like, that's no fun. That's no good. I mean, that's a huge difference, too. Because that's the... I mean, like, this year, I didn't mind falling to five because I didn't know what to do with that top pick, like Anthony Edwards, James Wiseman... Ball ended up being pretty good, but it would have been a very clunky fit in here. Okoro, I really like. Um, But the year before, that was the Zion, RJ, and Ja Ja Morant draft. And they got Darius Garland. So they've they've done well with their unlucky streak. And now they moved up in the one year you really wanted to get into the top three. And I'm really happy about that. Because I'd be very happy with Mobley, Green, and obviously Cade Cunningham. I don't think they're going to get to one to Cade Cunningham. I don't think Green gets past Houston. I think he's going to be a top two pick. And I'm, I'm pretty happy with Evan Mobley. I know he's not going to be as immediately great as I think Jalen Green is going to be like close to 20 points a game as a, as a rookie. I think he's going to be rookie of the year and just be like, damn, like this guy just, just scores. Like he's like Kobe out there. Um, whereas Mobley, it's like you see that you have like a unicorn. You have like you know, he could be Kristaps Porzingis, he could be Kevin Garnett or Tim Duncan. Like, like the sky's the limit because you never get a seven-footer that plays all-world defense but is also a ball handler, good passer, and, like, the chops to shoot. Like, his shooting percentages aren't great yet, but... Um, like he's got a smooth shot and like with coaching it's going to be good and he's going to be like a threat from the three. So he is like a triple threat on offense where like he could be a triple double guy at at power forward center and also be like an all defensive player. Don't you just don't get that on defense. You just don't get that from bigs. You really don't get like that combination. Maybe you get the all defensive player. Maybe you get a triple double threat um, but you don't really get both in the same player, so that's a really cool mix, and that's the my third favorite player in this draft. You know, after Cade and Green, so pretty awesome spot for the Cavs and where they're going to be. And, and you're hearing a lot of things, right? You're hearing that Kobe Altman loves Evan Mobley and that he can play the four or the five, and that he'd be basically you know great wherever you put him uh, next to Jared Allen. That could be him trying to blow some smoke. For Mobley to for him to go to, or to prepare fans who are like, well, how do you play Mobley and Allen? Like it's clunky. Like okay, well relax. Like number one, Allen's just about to start a four year contract with us. You know maybe we trade him or let him go. By the time Mobley is a big money guy, so don't worry about the money for the bigs. And if we find a way to get rid of Kevin Love, it's not really going to be a big deal. And especially if you're so worried about you know paying Colin Sexton, we trade him too. So. Everyone's got to relax a little bit on that, but I will say I think Kobe Altman is trying everything he can in the smokescreen game. He's drumming up interest in Colin Sexton, where everybody's talking about him. He like you know he's not doing anything about Garland, you know he's letting Garland be him because he's like well Garland's going to be our point guard for forever, and you know basically letting everyone get to work. But Colin Sexton interest is driving up. Uh, he's trying hard to. Maybe he wants Green to fall to three, or he maybe he wants the choice between Green and Mobley and wants some uh, stuff, because he keeps on working out Kuminga, and the Barnes talk is going high, which I think is more Raptors, um, Magic, Thunder are pumping up guys like Kuminga and Barnes, hoping the Cavs take him at three, and it slides everyone down one more pick. That's what I think is happening, because I know the Thunder are pissed they fell to six. They were like, we wanted one of those top four picks, and we didn't get it, and, and Barnes is nice, but you, you you got all these millions of picks. You don't want to just get a bunch of Scotty Barnes guys who, who knows, Scotty Barnes could be the next Giannis, because he's got this huge length and this great, like, desire, so you think maybe he's gonna be, like, a, a superstar in the making. However, uh, you just have more of sure products ahead of him. So um, he'd be a nice consolation prize, but definitely not like a top three guy. So be careful out there. It's um, it, it's it's smoke season, right? This is like that, you know, the April, you know, in the NFL when you hear guys are, are testing off the charts and they're so smart and doing great in interviews. And then you hear guys doing horrible at things, hoping that he will slide. You gotta be careful out there, so. But that's what's going on in the NBA. the The finals are on. It's two two. Game five. Uh, I don't know when Game five is. I mean, it's Friday. It might be tonight. Um, but uh, you know, people are pumped up about this. Giannis block saying it's you know the the best block of all time. It is not. LeBron's block is still the best. Uh, it was Game seven. It was a tie game. It was the seventy three win Warriors, and uh, he ran like three steps in from half court to uh, block a layup that would have taken the lead in a game where points were hard to come by because the defense was so tight and he came out of nowhere so the clutchness of LeBron's makes his number one Uh, but Giannis is athletically hell of a play one of the best blocks I've ever seen one of the best defensive plays I've ever seen it's just not number one and I think that's okay I think it's okay to say that Um, speaking of LeBron Space Jam came out it's on HBO Max thinking about watching it uh, I will have a review on that shortly. Compare it to Jordan's. Maybe compare other things to Jordan as well, because that's what people do when they talk about LeBron. It's like, all right, the season's over. Where does LeBron stand versus Jordan? So, might have a podcast coming out about that in the future. So, stay tuned on the LeBron front. All right. Uh, that being said, that's enough for you know NBA. That's a lot of NBA talk, mostly Cavs talk. But it was fun. That was good. So. Uh, MLB is also at the break right now. Tribe, tons of injuries. And I will say they've been lucky in the injury department in recent years that I've kind of had my eye on a possible tough luck injury streak. Uh, They didn't capitalize in that window that they had, you know, starting in 2016, that run to the World Series. I was like, man, you know, they were unlucky with injuries that year, but 17, they did well. 18, they did well. 19, they still did well, but they missed the playoffs because. I don't know. They were just, like, fucking around way too much and playing with their food. 20 was a crazy year, but, again, Lindor never played well last year. Was swinging at the first pitch all the time. Was one of the worst players with runners in scoring position, which you just can't have from Francisco Lindor. We're putting guys on, and we're not moving them around with our best hitter. So, the you know, the what's, what's the phrase? Like, the cows have come home, or, like, the crows have come to roost. Like, I definitely messed up two different phrases there, but... It's time. It was time. Like the the regression from Cleveland is happening. Shane Bieber got hurt. He was out for you know he's gonna be out a month and a half. Uh, So maybe he he comes back by the end of July. Uh, Aaron Savali, very similar freak injury. He was dealing. He was on his way to his eleventh win. He was actually one pitch away from being qualifying for his eleventh win, which he would have gotten, but the relief had to step in because he like sprained a finger. Gonna be out a month and it's like, oh shit, the the MLB wins leader is now down, and our second ace, Zach Plesak was already down, and was having a tough year, but it's like, all right, that's our three-headed monster, we traded all the other pitchers to have this trio, then they all go down, not to mention McKenzie, tough start to the year, Um, Logan Allen was terrible, oh my god, he was bad, and they brought up Henches, Henches, he had a tough run, you know, he showed some good stuff, but then he just got blown up a bunch of times. Eli Morgan, blown up a bunch of times. Uh JC Mejia, couple good outings, a couple bad outings. It's been a nightmare. It's been rough. This pitching staff has gotten hammered, and not to mention, June was their easy month. June was the month where they're supposed to beat up on teams like the Orioles and the Pirates, and they didn't do that. Now, and the Tigers, and they got swept in a Tigers doubleheader, which led into. By the way, it was always going to happen because it was like, guess what? The month of July starts with Houston, with Tampa. Now we got Oakland starting tonight. You know, the White Sox come to town. We have to still have to deal with the Cardinals, who are a pretty good team. All the good teams are coming this month. There's one series with the Royals, and that was it. It like, you know, it, and it's it's playoff teams the rest of the way for July. So, you know, for the next two weeks, it's going to be tough and you're going to see some losses and you're going to see the Indians who are three games over 500 miraculously probably drift below 500. But now, uh, you know, it's a harsh reality, but they have a really bright future. They had a nice draft where they draft a lot of college pitchers who should be MLB ready sooner than later a nice break from all the high schoolers that we've been drafting recently add that to the high schoolers have a couple years now um and we have a nice young farm system full with talent that's going to be ready sooner than later nolan jones uh gabe urias uh i mean there's like a nine middle infielders that were like oh shortstop second baseman combo of the future it's like what you know bracho urias um both guys from the Mets uh, that we got. I'm a big fan of Tyler Freeman. I think he's going to come up and be our second baseman. But we're blocking them right now with Caesar Hernandez. So maybe Caesar Hernandez gets dealt because we have all these guys. We have utility guys like uh, Clement and Chang and Owen Miller, who they need more at bats because in this like sporadic, like you know, pinch hit here and like play a, a run a, a getaway game Sunday. It like those don't help. That like you, these guys need constant at bats. And Miller had a really rough go of it when he came up. But Bobby Bradley, Framil Reyes, they're now back up. They haven't been. They weren't in the lineup for a while. You know, Bradley was down, and Framil was hurt. Now they're surrounding Jose, and it's like all of a sudden there's a lot of pop in this lineup. There's a lot of fun stuff. It there's a lot of youth, and we can trade Eddie Rosario. We could trade Cesar Hernandez. Add more guys that are going to help, like you know, like next year. This is a very cheap young team with more talent coming. Their biggest problem is they're going to have too many guys eligible for the forty-man roster next year. They're going to lose a couple guys in the in the Rule Five draft. So that's why they should kind of make some deals, trade Eddie Rosario and and Caesar Hernandez, get some guys um, that like you know can put in the farm system and like keep restocking. And then maybe, who knows, maybe next year you make a plunge for a guy and you trade a couple of those guys that were close to the 40-man roster that you're like, hey, we just don't have room in our bullpen because we got a great bullpen. So we're going to make some moves and trade some guys that teams will look at and say, damn, this is a good haul for a player like Brian Reynolds in Pittsburgh, like a controllable outfielder. So. I think good times are ahead for Cleveland uh, this season, though they're they're probably going to suffer some more losses because they are down some of their best players. Not to mention they were already skating on thin ice to begin with because they kept dealt- dealing. dealing are really good guys and they just really trimmed the payroll to be like really really low. So it's tough, but you know that's the world that's the world of baseball. I still think they're going to be a 500 team when the season ends, and it's going to be a down year for the Cleveland Indians. Their last year as the Indians before they change a the name. Uh, which I think it's gonna be the Guardians now, not the Spiders. Uh, you know, my last podcast we talked about that, about the possible names. But I think uh, I'm thinking Guardians. I just it, the way everything's pointing, it just makes sense. Plus, he would only have to buy um, uh, four new letters, you know, G U A R, and keep the D-ins. Uh So that's a huge one for Dolan, who uh, you know he's he's you know pinching pennies everywhere he goes. So that would be big. Um, but yeah, that's, that's them. We'll be at the break. We'll see the trade deadline in two weeks from today. Uh, that'll be a lot of fun because the last couple trade deadlines, teams went crazy. There were big time, a lot of deadline stuff going on. And it'll be really interesting because the Indians are, are very rarely buyers. This year, they have some assets that, that if they want to sell, they can. And they'll still be a good team next year. So I don't think a Bieber uh, or a Savali gets traded Jose would would really be a gut punch because he makes sense to trade, but if you're gonna pay anybody, you know, just try and ink him for another four or five year contract. He's such a fan favorite. He's becoming like one of the all time Indians at this point. So uh, try and keep him. Try try and you know keep him around for a while. So, uh, but the rest of the MLB, a lot of teams are in it, uh, but nobody is being forced down our throats more than the Los Angeles Angels. I know Shohei Otani is the face of baseball regardless of what Stephen A. Smith says about him and, you know, wants to hate on Asians as much as possible. Uh, Shohei Otani is the face of baseball right now because he is, you know, pitching like an like an ace and he is hitting like an MVP. So uh, as much as I'm, like, eye-rolling because I can't go on Twitter without seeing MLB pump him down your throats, like, more so than Mike Trout was ever pumped, by the way. Like, Mike Trout, they waited, like, 10 years to market um like like maybe not 10 years but like he was putting up MVP Mickey Mantle numbers like all time great numbers and you never hear about him so um if the Angels don't make the playoffs like they're not gonna make the playoffs this year they're probably not gonna make it next year they still like ignore their pitching they think that drafting pitchers is gonna help their pitching now it's not they are becoming experts at uh, wasting, like, Hall of Fame careers, so we'll see, I know it's still early for Otani, but man, the Angels, like, as an organization, uh, deserve a lot more blame than they're getting these days, um, but it'll be interesting to watch the, uh, trade deadline coming up, okay, so that's my little sports update for you, uh, 40 minutes of sports right there, damn, I do want to get into Marvel, though, I want to, I want to review a couple things, okay, so I watched Black Widow on Sunday, and I finished Loki Wednesday night. Uh, I never reviewed Falcon and the Winter Soldier, so I do want to get a little bit to that. Um, And then there's two other shows that I'm not going to waste too much time with because I'm already feeling pretty hoarse in the voice, but they are MODOK, which uh, I just finished on Hulu, and The Iron Fist, which is a little bit of a throwback, but I'm trying to get to all the Marvel stuff because I want to be caught up on everything even if they don't aren't going to be brought into the MCU, I still want everything, you know, because I'm like a Marvel junkie right now. I need I want everything that's out there because I want the knowledge of it if it is in fact canon or ever brought into the MCU. So we'll start with Loki because that was the one that, you know, just ended, just, you know, came, it's the most notable one. Uh, to me, this is flat out the best of the Disney Plus shows. There's only been three so far, but This is going to be tough to top because I have it as a top 10 MCU movie show, whatever you want to call it, period. After the top two Avengers, obviously, Thor Ragnarok, a couple Captain Americas, Winter Soldier, and probably Civil War. But I have it above the first Captain America behind Guardians. And then it's right there. It's right there with uh, Spider-Man: Far From Home, Captain America: The First Avenger, and uh, the first two of it. uh, It's still behind the first Avengers, but Age of Ultron. It's it it. I think it's ha- it's higher than Age of Ultron. So Loki is a top ten move uh, movie for me. If you want to look at it as Marvel Cinematic Universe, it's a top ten entity. It was unbelievable. First of all, uh, you know this is by the way a spoiler, spoiler alert. This is a spoiler-filled review for Black Widow, Loki, Captain uh, you know, Falcon, and the Winter Soldier, all that stuff. Um, so tune in later if you if you don't want to hear spoilers. But, okay, so spoilers are in. Loki, what like, it was awesome. First of all, Tom Hiddleston as Loki is one of the best MCU pairings that we've had. It's right up there with Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man. It's right up there as Josh Brolin as Thanos, who was awesome. I mean, Tom Hiddleston as Loki. He's he's owned it. He's made Loki from a like you know a bad guy where you're like you know right in the first movie you're like how how serious do I want to take him this Shakespearean like BS, um, and it's turning into like he's the main character. He's a main character of a show that will have a season two. So he's been great with that. Um, all all the acting was great. Owen Wilson as Mobius was so much fun. And as much as I wanted to get the, him saying, wow, on a jet ski at the end of the series, it would have been so cool, but you know, they're bringing out a season two and he's going to be in that. So I do really love the fact that, um, like, you know, yes, we didn't get that, but we may get that down the road one day. Uh, they they made the stakes high in this show without messing too much with the like they they messed with everything but like the everything that's been in the mcu it's like okay now what we don't really know how things are going to play and part of that is i have to understand i'm never going to fully understand time travel and that's okay that is okay for me to admit that jake brainy is never going to fully understand time travel and that is okay so Understanding that and watching this show, I can look and I don't have to be like, wait, if they kill him now, how does that change the past? Just Jake, relax. It's okay. They're probably in the quantum realm. Tom Scotto, shout out for calling that. They're probably in the quantum realm, uh, the TVA. So when they jump in and out of things, that makes so much sense, right? They leave, you know, that's how they discovered time travel was going through the quantum realm through, you know, Ant Man with Iron Man, you know, kind of adding up the science there. That's how they figured it out. Um, so this would make sense if the TVA is in the quantum realm somehow. Um, with, the Mobius, with um, you know, they in, introduced Jonathan Majors at the end of the series, uh, who, you know, is for all intents and purposes, uh, is Kang the Conqueror. He didn't say Kang, but he didn't say Conqueror. He said the, the, uh, the he who remains um you know he's he called himself a couple different things but he's kang the conqueror he's gonna play kang the conqueror and he was this like wild fun crazy eccentric version of him which at first i was like hmm kind of weird right like we get through all of this and they're making kang like a goofball but then he warns them he's like if you kill me there are gonna be other versions of me and then we see that the final thing is a statue of kang at the tva And I'm like, oh my God, you're absolutely right. Now we're gonna get Sinister Kang. We're gonna get the Conqueror version of him. So, he was crazy. Like I, I I don't fully understand everything. Did he wipe out other universes? Um, Do universes get created just from like the timeline doing things differently? Like how? Like is it just like is the sacred timeline? a million timelines all doing the same thing and when one of them does something different he he zaps it and and nerfs it basically so that they all go back to doing the same thing that he wants um if that's the case i understand and that's why i get it that there's only one uh kang and why he's nerfed so many lokis and shit because it's like well um you know we've nerfed you basic or you know what they call it purged or um plunged uh Pruned, pruned. Like we pruned them because things were going too far astray in your universe. So I had to delete you and your universe because you were going to create a crazy, um, crazy version of Kang. So I love that. I think that's so cool. I think Jonathan Majors was great in his first uh, MCU appearance. Like really all-time stuff from him. I think uh, it, him as a crazy goofball was funny, but I think he's got the chops to be a sinister villain. We'll see how it goes with, like, the time travel stuff. But Tom Hiddleston, great. Uh, The whole cast was awesome. I don't know everyone's name from it, but everyone that, like, pitched in for this, it was such a cool, fun concept. And after Endgame, it was like, shit, we really need to go big. Like, we're going to have to go big because the stakes are high now that, like, we killed Thanos. We've done time travel. So Loki messing with time and opening like different portals to different like universes, it's opening up a lot of different things. And now we have the option. It's like okay, if we want to bring in, um, if we want to bring in mutants, here's another alley to do it. You know, uh, the you know, and and if we want to work more on what the Scarlet Witch does. Here's another thing. This is this is going to tie right into her. So this this is going to go right into to Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. It's going to have a lot to do with uh, Ant-Man Quantumanium. There are a lot of things that this is going to have uh, a ripple effect on, and I'm so pumped about it. But uh, it was such an awesome show. Uh, if I had to rate it like a movie, I'm rating it like a 94. Uh, it's that high. The only reason it's not higher is because I feel like they could have explained some things a little easier and maybe that makes me come off as like a little dumb which like is fine because i again i'm telling myself i'm not gonna fully understand time travel like that's just something that like you know hey jake brainy you're not fully gonna get it and that's okay so with that being said it was a great show um i cannot wait for season two everything about i loved the theme music I loved the fact that they changed the credits every episode because, uh, you know, as Loki as Loki was messing with time and the universe and which had like ripple effects in those universes, it should have ripple effects in the credits. They had a couple post credit scenes. They had a lot of different things going on. It makes me just a big fan of the show, and I can't wait for season two of it. I really hope it's not going to be long delayed. I hope it's next year. I hope there's a Loki season two next season next year. Because even though they have a lot of other things coming out, I really want. uh, I don't want them to push that. I want it coming. Uh, Hopefully, before Ant Man comes out in twenty twenty three, because twenty twenty two, we got Doctor Strange, we have um, Thor four, we have Black Panther, um, and I feel like there's one more movie coming out next year. But there's also shows. There's Moon Knight, there's She-Hulk, uh, there's Secret Invasion, and possibly, like, Armor Wars, and, and the Holiday Special. And then 2023 is when we'll have the next Guardians, it's when we'll have Ant-Man, it's when we'll have Captain Marvel, too, um, possibly the Fantastic Four. So, a lot of things still to come. If we could squeeze Loki in there, that'd be nice. Uh, I, I think Kevin Feige can do it because I think he, what he's looking at is I want something out every month. You know, if it's on a movie, I want a new show coming out. I want people on Disney Plus. And then I, I, you know, and he has that. He has that ability to do that because now you have these other universes that if you don't want to fully tie things in, you can do it. So that brings me to the next review. All right, Loki, great, 94. Um, unfortunately, you can't just pick it up and watch it. You need to have marvel background so that's the o- that's the other bummer about this is you can a can't start it like it's a new show uh you have to have the marvel cinematic universe in your back pocket brings me to my next review uh preview of what if right the, com- the preview came out i love that what if is coming out right after loki i think it's a great idea to blow up the universe and not know what is going on we are in chaos right now so what's the best thing to do the what if universe because what if is based on the comics of what if Captain America Steve Rogers never got the Super Soldier Serum and if Peggy Carter got it instead and what the universe would be like if that was it? What what if Howard the Duck was a superhero? What if um, Black Panther uh, T'Challa was kidnapped as a boy and not uh, Star Lord Peter Quill and they you know and then you know, T'Challa becomes a Ravager and Star-Lord, so that's going to be a really cool show, it's animated, but they get to do, you know, since it's animated, you get to do a lot of things with visual effects and stuff, where it's like, it's a cool show, and the animation of it looks really well done, like, really, like, high-profile stuff, um, they did get a lot of the voice, they didn't get, um, I don't think they got Chris, uh, Evans, I don't think they got Robert Downey Jr., um and they didn't get benedict cumberbatch and maybe they didn't get crimps chris hemsworth but they've got everyone else they got i think uh mark ruffalo if he shows up i don't even know if he's in it but they have chadwick boseman who it's going to be his his final appearance and anything even though it's a voice it's appearance uh they have um uh atwell who plays uh Peggy Carter. They they have so many people. They have like Yandu, they they have so many people in this. It's going to be a lot of fun. It doesn't have to have any super tie in to the MCU. However, it's technically canon because even it's it's what if. So the canon is that this is what if this were to happen. Even though these things aren't actually happening in the universe, they could write it in. Kevin Feige could say, you know what, this was so well-received, and this can actually lead to one of the universes, so why don't we make this the story of this universe? Peggy Carter, Captain Britain, all that jazz. It, it, it's really cool, and I'm really excited for it. The trailer made it seem like a lot of fun. It's going to be a once-a-week Wednesday drop, and that'll start on August 11th, so we're still a couple weeks away from that. It does stink that like, I feel like when these shows end... The next show doesn't start for like three or four weeks like where I'm like damn like maybe take one week off you know I don't want that break like they have so much coming up where it's like you don't need to take big breaks in between things but maybe he wants to focus on Black Widow so but it's gonna carry us right into Shang-Chi I'm also gonna enjoy Venom 2 because even though we're not in the Venomverse there's always possibility that Sony and and Marvel come to an agreement and the verse comes into this as well, so I'm really excited for Carnage, uh, you know, Venom 2, I'm really excited for Shang-Chi, that trailer dropped, where it's like, look, this is an origin story, it's completely outside of the Avengers, however, it's happening in real time, this is like real characters, and, and Shang-Chi most likely going to be part of the new Avengers, so really cool, uh, Simu Lu uh, I, I, think that's how you pronounce his name i don't want to get that wrong but i think that's how you do it uh he seems super into this role and uh it just seems like it's gonna be another fun marvel action-packed movie it's gonna have some easter eggs abominations in it they're gonna have they're gonna drop a couple things here that like hey you're gonna see guys show up from this show it's like oh abominations here well you're gonna see him in she hulk next year oh um you know Wong is here you're gonna see him in uh Doctor Strange next year who knows maybe they drop Moon Knight in there that wouldn't be the craziest thing I know Moon Knight's typically New York but if you're gonna be there's nothing on Moon Knight so far and he comes out next year and I think that's supposed to be early next year and we haven't heard a peep we don't even know who Ethan Hawk is playing so who knows maybe you drop one of those guys in there maybe Jennifer Walters is in there somewhere. I don't know, but I just love that they're building so much in this MCU, and Kevin Feige loves to slip people in there before the actual, like, I kind of thought we might see Shang-Chi show up in Black, uh, um, Black Widow, uh, which he did not, but they did something else, and it's like, that, that just shows how much they still are to bring to the MCU, that it's going to get overwhelming fast, and I can't wait, so uh, really excited for Shang-Chi, really excited for What If, Venom, um, and another thing that you know that they previewed slightly, however, um, you know there's no actual preview for that, and I'll get into it after we do the Black Widow review. So, one minute movie review, we'll do it. Black Widow. You know I have enough reviews to get to that I can make one of them a one minute one. Okay, so Black Widow. Um, I I really liked it. I thought it was cool as a movie alone. I thought it was great. In the MCU of things, it's right around the middle mark. It's around, it's around. Uh, it's I don't think it's as good as Black Panther. I think it's near Captain Marvel, Ant Man, and Doctor Strange. That's where I think this sits in the movie. I would rather see Doctor Strange than this one. Uh, I think it's better than the Ant Man movies, and I think it's better than Captain Marvel. But it's like it's around those so. Uh, Natasha Romanoff. She finally got her movie. This should have been made years ago because it just stinks. Because you're we you, were waiting for it for so long. Uh, not just because it's like, hey, Black Widow is dead, but also like um, there were actual delays making this movie. That was it was supposed to be a 2016 movie. And, you know, you had the creepo, you know, he who shall not be named that left Disney that was supposed to be a big part of this. And, you know, rightfully so. Everyone was upset and this movie got put on the back burner. But um, as a movie, really solid. Um, my, My grade for it, I'm looking at an 82. All right. It's super awesome action spy thriller. However, it's not a Natasha origin story which is weird because I feel like anytime these first movies come out Dr. Strange Iron Man uh Ant-Man they're all origin tales and this isn't really like you know so it's like when you hear the first movie Thor Captain America they're always origin stories and this wasn't really an origin story for Natasha it was kind of an origin story for Yelena um played by Florence Pugh who's awesome and I can't wait for her in the MCU I think she's going to be Even better than Scarlett Johansson was but this was this was less of a Scarlett Johansson Natasha Romanoff uh origin story it was more of just her final send-off but it was weird because it wasn't really her send-off like yes she's dead and she finally got her movie which is great it just wasn't like I don't know it was weird like you knew it was gonna end before Avengers Infinity War so like it's tough knowing it's like all right this movie takes place after Civil War, like kind of after Civil War, partially during Civil War, and before Avengers Infinity War. So like, it's tough to know like exactly where it is, like, you know exactly where it is. It's tough to really look at it cleanly when you know exactly when this movie is taking place. Uh, I thought it was going to be like a 90s movie, and kind of like how she became the super spy. Uh, but it wasn't really like that. Uh, there was no fury. They, they hinted there was going to be more general Ross than there was like he was, he was not in it at all. He was in like the very first scene where they were looking for it and that was it. So that was kind of strange to like leak that there was no Clint Barton in it. Um, apparently his voice was on the radio at one point in the flashback, but he wasn't credited for it. So he wasn't in it. Uh, no fury, no Barton, barely any Ross. Um, they did, however, wrap up Budapest, and they wrapped up um, what you might call it—the um, Drakov's daughter thing that Loki dropped. And I was like, okay, that's okay. We're finally got to that. We finally understood what he meant by that. I thought when he said Drakov's daughter, he was calling her Drakov's daughter, knowing that she's you know the daughter of Drakov. So the only thing though is Drakov. Like I don't know, he wasn't all that impressive. We got him in the beginning of the movie when you saw. He's like kind of like a threatening guy, and then you're like, okay, but she killed him, but she didn't kill him. We're not really showing him. We showed him at the end of the movie, and then you know Taskmaster's chasing us, but like it, like it seemed like Taskmaster could have killed us at any time, but didn't. Um, so that was kind of a letdown. They they have had problems with bad guys in the past, like when they go big, they hit it, but they don't really know how to hit like the semi like middle area of bad guy um which is like okay it's good that they hit on thanos it's good that i think they're gonna hit on kang and they hit on loki and uh red skull was oh i think was good not everyone thinks he was good but i thought he was good uh so it's like all right the big bads they hit well but the the one and duns, i mean outside of the spider-man one and dones the mcu one and duns aren't always that great so uh, it, it, that's kind of a bummer that, like, you know, Ray Winstone as Drakov like, Ray Winstone, like, he's an easily hateable, like, scary guy, and they really couldn't, like, drive any attachment to him because we saw him for, like, five minutes, and we're like, all right, I get it, like, he means a lot to her, but, like, I, I don't know, like, when you're, in, it's tough to really feel something when you kill off a bad guy that you just met in that movie, like, it's much bigger when you meet them in the past more, or if you think they're going to have a future. Which you knew they really wouldn't have a future. So they killed off Dreykov. They revealed that Taskmaster is um, his daughter Antonia. Which is funny because Tony Masters is Taskmaster in the comics. But that was the other thing. Olga Korlenko is playing Tony Masters. Is playing Taskmaster. Um, Olga Korolenko's name was in the opening credits. And I see that and I'm like... Oh, hey, I'm looking at Sam. I'm like, oh, Sam, that's like the Bond girl from Quantum Solace. Like, she's in this. She must be one of the widows. And then you didn't see her. And you're like, shit, she's Taskmaster. Why would they say that? Marvel very rarely has blunders, has errors like that. And they hit an error. That was an error by my, by Marvel that they, like, missed on that. So I was I was a little disappointed that, like, the whole time I was like, you know, Dreykov's definitely alive. And his daughter's definitely alive because Taskmaster is his daughter, like, that wasn't a big reveal, you know, the, you know, role models, when they go on the, like, camping trip, and, uh, A.D. Miles, who plays, like, the suck-up to, um, to, (laughs) to Jane Lynch, uh, he, you know, he's got all the dad jokes, and he's always, like, using, like, you know, like, PG language around these kids who are, like, shut the fuck up, man, uh, he's, like, telling a ghost story, and he's, like, and the the bad guy takes off his mask and it's the pizza delivery guy from the beginning when they ordered pizza and everyone's like what like that's what this felt like it felt like we were like huh like you gave us this big thing and you're expecting a huge like reveal and it just didn't land so that was kind of a bummer but with black widow and this one minute review is almost up but with black widow, the action scenes were awesome. The characters on the good guys were great. Like we loved seeing, um, uh, uh David Harbour. Oh my God. He was great as the red guardian. Um, I thought what's her face. Uh, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm blanking on names right now. It's been, a, it's been an hour of this. So, um, but, uh, Rachel Weiss who played, you know, the mom like character, uh, I thought she was pretty good and like, you know, comedic at times. And then Florence Pugh as Yelena was fantastic. Scarlett Johansson, if this was like her movie, I feel like it could have been more about her and more about her struggle. Not to mention, in Endgame, she sacrifices herself because she's like, Clint has something to live for. I don't have family. And this movie was kind of all about like her reconnecting with her family. So like I don't know. I it just seems like Uh, it seems like they missed the mark a little bit and that they were like, it seems like this movie was a little forced. Um, they didn't, you know, uh, they didn't slam it with like, you know, some people were worried that it was going to be like a, like social justice warrior type movie. It wasn't anything like that. It was really, it was really good and nothing was hit right on the head or anything deliberate. Um, it was a cool spy movie they make references to other spy movies uh the whole moonraker thing about basically being it's the plot of moonraker and she's watching moonraker in the beginning of the movie i think that's cool they tie in a lot of things with the other characters so they answer a lot of questions they fill in the blanks of what some of these characters were doing at different times when we didn't see them so a lot of things make sense i just feel like they could like if they wanted an emotional death it wasn't gonna be ray winstone It could have been Red Guardian. And if you're not going to kill off Red Guardian, you should have killed off the mom. And if you're not going to kill off either of them, well, you know what? You need to bring back Red Guardian. Or else you missed an opportunity to kill off, you know, especially when you saw Red Guardian was going up against Taskmaster. You could have killed him off right there. That he, like, sacrificed himself to save the girls who hated him so much because he was never a father to them, and then make the ultimate sacrifice as a father. So you better bring back Red Guardian... And, like, you could even bring Red Guardian back as, like, in a past type thing. Now, especially with all the, like, the Loki stuff opening up different universes, maybe Red Guardian does fight Captain America, who come who never goes into the ice or something like that, or comes out of the ice 30 years earlier, or he faces a different version of Captain America. I don't know. You can bring back Red Guardian and still kill him in this movie. So I think you missed an opportunity to make a sacrifice and get the audience, like, kind of like, oh, no. And you didn't have that. So I think they missed on a couple plot points, but I still liked the movie. I give it an 82. It is middle of the pack for the MCU stuff. And that's the one-minute movie review. Um, oh, post-credit review, great, loved it. Florence Pugh meets Valentina, who's gonna be uh Madame Hydra, or you know, whatever they want to call her in this. She's gonna put together a bad team, whether it's the Thunderbolts, the Dark Avengers. Uh, or something completely new that we haven't even heard of. Uh, that's going to be awesome. John Walker is already in on board. So is Florence Pugh as Yelena Belova. And her first thing is she's going to hunt down Clint Barton. And now we have a little bit of what Hawkeye is going to be about. Maybe she kills Hawkeye, and that's like a full circle thing because Hawkeye, you know, didn't save, uh, you know, Scarlett uh, Johansson. So that's a whole thing. Um. you know kate bishop is going to be in the mcu as like a young avenger played by Haley steinfeld so we got a little taste of what hawkeye is going to be we don't know when it comes out we think it's the fall september october october maybe there's no you know between shang chi early september and eternals in november we got nothing so it seems like that's going to be where hawkeye is and then miss marvel which is you know one of the newer characters in the comic books um kamala khan who's kind of like a, I guess a mutant i'm not really sure but she's going to tie in with monica rambo and brie larson's uh captain marvel at some point that'll be at the end of the year so we still don't have much on those two shows but we do see that hawkeye's coming soon because he was in the you know uh the post-credit scene so a uh, really good movie really excited for what's to come i just feel like the, if they really wanted to hit it uh, out of the park they didn't even need to do anything with like the scenes. They just needed to drive a little bit more hatred towards Drakov, and they could have done better with uh, Taskmaster. They could have hid Taskmaster's identity better, and uh, they could have you know killed off some of our characters that they probably won't be bringing back. So, just something to keep in mind. Um, that being said, loved it. All right. What else do we have to review? Because I'm getting, you know, I'm getting long-winded here, and we're on a minute ten, uh, an hour ten. Okay. Um, another, you know, preview. Right. Eternals. They dropped a trailer. Looks really good. Everyone's asking the same questions. Is okay. They only interfere when they need to, but they didn't interfere with Thanos. They aren't interfering with Loki at all um you know these guys are supposed to be like the beings that control the universe and it seems like every time something big happens they kind of just sit on the sidelines so i have a lot of questions with that maybe they're in a different universe i don't know that's a possibility uh but i'm gonna have a lot of questions because uh, i'm all over the place on the preview i just think it's gonna be cool i thought it was gonna take place a long time ago but in the trailer they're talking about captain america they're making movies. They're doing a lot of different things that it's like, okay, they're very clearly alive right now. So I thought it was kind of like going to be an origin tale, but we'll see. Maybe it's a little bit of both. Um, so th- I think that's going to be a lot of fun. I, I've been looking forward to that. That was supposed to come out last year, just like everything in you know in Marvel was. Uh, so it, I, it's been a long time coming with that. It's a big cast. Kamail Nanjiani I'm a big fan of. Richard Madden, Kit Harington are in it uh i'm really curious to see which directions they go which characters continue in the mcu or if this is going to be a one-off for a lot of them uh angelina jolie is a big pull for them salma hayek is a big pull for them i'm not really sure who the bad guys are going to be in this because uh in the comics they're all good guys at some point so we'll see if thanos comes into play if, uh, if this is something bigger, Galactus or Sentinel or something like that, I don't know. I don't know if they're ready to bring in another big bad when they just introduced Kang. Uh, very curious to see what they do with that, but I'm excited nonetheless. Uh, so that's it. I mean, there's no preview for Spider-Man right now because nothing's coming out. Uh, but that's everything that's come out. You know, Shang-Chi, Eternals, What If, uh, they've all leaked a little bit of stuff with that. Hawkeye, very tiny, you know, post credit scene. Um... But Spider-Man, that trailer is going to be coming. Everyone's talking about end of July, um, before what if happens. They're going to have the Spider-Man trailer, which like, that's that's going to be we're going to be talking like box office stuff there. I know that box office numbers aren't going to be normal until 2024 again, but everyone's going to want to go see Spider-Man. Spider-Man has a huge fan base. This is going to be the third and final movie of the Tom Watts Spider-Man trilogy uh tom holland we don't really know if he's gonna be on board as peter parker forever because there's a whole sony marvel issue so like they really could kill him off and then maybe bring in a different spider-man like a miles morales type so this really could go many different ways not to mention we're talking other timelines we're talking other universes we're talking uh you know a tie-in to doctor strange multiverse of madness because he's supposed to be the new mentor, not Tony Stark, to Peter Parker. So that's a whole thing. With Loki, uh, uh, you know, hey, maybe Toby Maguire... you know, everyone's talking about Jamie Foxx is going to be in it. Toby McGuire is going to be in it. All these different characters are going to be in the movie. So it's like, okay, what are we really going to get? What is going to, um, like, is it going to be like, um, like, in WandaVision, when we got Quicksilver from the other universe, but it really wasn't him, it was just a cameo, like, an actor cameo, which, like, I thought was a huge gut punch, Um, or is it gonna be, like, no, they're, like, that's Tobey Maguire's Peter Parker, and he's meeting Tom Holland's Peter Parker, and Andrew Garfield's Peter Parker, and their bad guys are teaming up together to form a version of the Sinister Six, which would make sense, because Electro, Doc Ock, we're both members of the Sinister Sticks at some point. Vulture, he's still out there. He's in jail, but he's out there. Um Mysterio, is he dead? Is he is he alive? Do they use his team to recreate Mysterio? Uh, Sinister Sticks would be really cool. I mean, Craven, everyone wants Craven, everyone wants um, you know, Keanu Reeves as Craven or Joe Magniello as Craven, which I'd be down with either two of them. Uh, I could I could see it being Joe Magniello better, because uh, I think Keanu Reeves can be uh, uh, a ghost rider or something else in the MCU, which I would love, but I think Joe Magniello, this would like nail it for him. So Spider-Man, still so many possibilities out there, we, there's still so much we don't know, there's just a lot of rumors out there, and we just know that Kevin Feige's talking to a lot of actors, that doesn't mean they're in anything, it doesn't mean they're playing a certain character, we just know he's talking to actors, big actors too, so excited because they know uh, you know that Spider-Man's one of their bread and butter, one of their money makers. They're not going to blow it. They they need to hit on that. And the first two movies were so good. I I think this third one is going to blow them all out of the water and it's going to be people are talking this movie up. It's going to be like all-time MCU stuff. Like I think I think we might get a top 5 MCU movie out of Spider-Man Far From Home. Uh, or no, um, No Way Home is the last one, which I guess that was going to be the name. I said never go home, and then ended up being no way home, I was so close, alright, so, I am not going to review Iron Fist, because that's an old show, but I will say it sucked, and I really hope they don't bring him in, because, god, I couldn't even finish it, it was so bad, like, the acting was bad, and, uh, I, I like the character, I think he's, like, kinda cool, like, the abilities and stuff, but, I don't know, maybe they can give him a new origin in Shang-Chi, because that seems to be the same realm of magic and capabilities and abilities and stuff. So, who knows, maybe they do something there, but uh, uh, I couldn't care less about the Danny Rand and uh, uh, Iron Fist show. Uh, which, by the way, like I didn't even finish season one. Uh, the whole Marvel Defender stuff is tough, because I really like Daredevil, everything else I could do without So I would love it if they brought in Daredevil, um, uh, but I'm not sure they're going to do that because then it opens up to everything in the Netflix Marvel Universe. I loved Punisher too, but yeah. MODOK. Watch MODOK on Hulu. Uh, I knew it wasn't part of the MCU. I knew it was a cartoon. I knew it was like a little bit out there, but I was like, hey, you never know. This might be roped in at some point. Now I don't really know. I think MODOK might have just slipped through the cracks. And Hulu was like, we're going to make a show about MODOK because you didn't call MODOK. Like, we claim him. And Kevin Feige was like, all right, go ahead, do whatever you want. And they are like, all right, we're going to make it like super silly, like in-your-face slap comedy. And uh, the only thing MODOK is better in than in the whole Marvel pantheon of things is maybe Iron Fist. It's right up there with, like, New Mutants. And New Mutants was not good. Um, new Mutants, like... Again... Uh, and so, so MODOK, bad. Iron Fist, a lot worse than MODOK. But, um... MODOK was still even worse than, like, Luke Cage. And, uh, Jess Jones. And some of those things that you're, like, crawling to the finish line. I'm like, I... I was muting MODOK at some point. So I was like, just get through this. Just get through it. Um... However, Uh, if we do want to squeeze in a quick one minute review and I'll do like a main, a real quick one minute review. I liked new mutants. I thought it was pretty cool. It's not going to be part of the MCU. Uh, it, I just was really interested though, because I was like, it came out after the Fox, uh, you know, sold the rights to Disney and everything. So I was like, all right, here we go. New mutants going to be a part of this. They're going to bring them into the MCU. It's going to be fun. No not really it was uh, kind of dull, kind of boring. the characters uh, weren't really like a lot of fun uh, it just it was just not fun at all. like I liked the actors they pulled the two. I thought the actors were actually pretty good at it and it made them like scared individuals which is fine because like I feel like mutants should be scared teenagers like they don't know what's happening to themselves and they're like you know one can transform into animals one can like shapeshift one one turns into like a real crazy animal um you know a lot of different things can happen there and um they should be scared so like i understand where they're coming from it just wasn't that great and uh i just like wish it didn't happen and for the longest time it almost didn't happen they kept on delaying it production was slowed obviously like when they switched hands from fox to disney or or, I don't even know if it did switch from Fox to Disney or if it was just coming out too late. You know, Kevin Feige was like, listen, if we're going to relate this to Marvel at all, we need to uh, change some things. It was a mess from start to finish. So New Mutants, um, I give it like a 42. I think uh, there are some redeemable aspects of it and that the acting was actually pretty good. But the storyline was just completely lost. And it just goes out. It starts nowhere and it goes nowhere. Um, And it just seemed like a mess, just a compilation of pieces put together. Um, With that being said, we have one more review here, and it's a little delayed, but Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I never fully reviewed this. Uh, I, I did like the show. After talking with a couple of my friends actually last night about it, I do see other sides of it, like, number one, another bad guy problem. Um, they have, like, a bunch of, like, you know, socialist libs are the bad guy. And there's a rumor that, you know, and, and by the way, they're not even fighters. They're just kids that steal the super soldier serum and, uh, and now can, like, fight. You Which, know, like, that really doesn't, wouldn't do that. It just makes them stronger. So, like, it was very frustrating to see them be so tough when it's, like, the Flag Smashers... We're not a good bad guy. They, they very bad bad guy. Some of the worst bad guys that we have seen in the MCU, um, and we're gonna get to that in a minute too. Sharon Carter as the power broker didn't really care. Like boy, that was uh, you know that that sucked. Like like I, I just wasn't interested. Daniel Brühl as Baron Zemo, lot of fun. Like the like him, I think he's funny. I think he's like a funny bad guy. I think he's one of the better ones. That they have done. Um, I want them to do more with him. He wasn't really a bad guy in this. He was like a good guy. I hope he is a big part of the Thunderbolts, Dark Avengers, whatever they do. I would love to see him working with Yelena Belova and John Walker as part of this like bad guy team. I think that'd be a lot of fun to see a movie starring them and kind of seeing where it goes from there. Like, I think that'd be cool. And really just take a dark turn. And you don't always need everything to be cosmic. You don't always need everything to be like universe ending. So it's cool to have things on Earth be problems. Like we can keep part of Marvel on Earth. That doesn't bother me. I can move from the universe down to smaller things, you know, and be like, hey, your neighborhood Spider Man, you know, they're making Spider Man go cosmic with the universe stuff. But if you just wanted to make Spider Man movies about him protecting New York, I'm cool with that too. Like, I can still hang with those. Um, I, thought, I, I thought Sam Wilson was really cool. I really like him. I think uh, he's done a good job of, like, you know, they didn't make him, like, just stick out and, like, become Captain America. They made him, like, earn it in this series where he was like, I'm not worthy of this. I'm not trying to act worthy. I'm just trying to be a soldier. Um, I think they made, you know, they, they really hammered the, like, trauma stuff with the Winter Soldier, which, like, that's fine, and that, like, makes a lot of sense and everything, but you were hoping to see, a like, a little more of a badass Winter Soldier from it. Uh, I don't know what we're going to get in the future. They both survived this thing. Uh, a season two would be cool. There's talks of a Captain America 4 uh, starring Sam Wilson, or, I mean, you know, starring Anthony Mackie as Sam Wilson as Captain Falcon or Captain America. Uh... I would I would be cool with the season two if they have a better bad guy or if they're fighting Daniel Bruhl's uh, or uh, Daniel Bruhl's, Baron Zemo's uh, like Dark Avengers or whatever like that I'd be down for I'd be I'd be really cool with that this show was cool it was just like the character like some of the characters were cool but like man it, it lost its way especially when you watch Loki and Wandavision I'm like yeah this just isn't as good like it was cool at times. Some of the scenes were awesome. John Walker was cool. Uh, They introduced Valentina, you know, Madam Hydra, and I thought that was fun, Uh, and, like, definitely, like, a kick-ass move by them. I liked the whole, like, changing of the shield stuff. The um, Isaiah Bradley thing was very cool, like the, you know, like the black Captain America from the 60s that they, like, you know, tried to hide. Uh, I, I loved all of that. It was the Flag Smasher stuff that was really annoying. And could have, been, could have been better. The rumor is that the Flag Smashers were supposed to be releasing a deadly virus. But since COVID happened at the same time, they were like, we got to change it up. We already hired all these people, so we're going to change the script a little bit. And we're going to give them superpowers. And that really didn't land. So I see where it failed a little bit. This is not a top half Marvel type of thing in the MCU. This is probably closer to 20 Um, You know, in like 21, 22 Like, I put this around like You know, like it's not as good as Iron Man But it's better than like the bad Iron Man movies It's better than Thor 2 But is it better than Thor? Uh, Is it better than Hulk even? I don't know So like, it's in the 20s there Uh, It's not great It's definitely not as good as WandaVision It's, you know But, uh, you know what? There were some redeeming qualities about it the se- some fight scenes were awesome, some really cool characters, but there was a lot of bad about it that, like, outweighed the good at sometimes. and then flipping everything on its head, we, we, you know, like, I'm not trying to make light of anything Black Lives Matter or anything, but, uh, they really did, like, throw that in the face of the viewer at the end there, which, like, Look, I understand like they have a responsibility, and they're gonna keep to it, and I I applaud them for that. But if you want to make a really good movie or a really good show, sometimes you gotta put like social agendas aside, because uh, it really just doesn't help. Because it, it it just didn't fit. It just didn't feel right, and it felt like Disney was making an announcement there, not um, that didn't really make sense in the show so that's all, and I'm not trying to, like, come down on anybody, I'm not trying to, you know, like, come off as, like, a, you know, get off my lawn kind of guy, it's just that, you know, if you're rating shows, and, like, (laughs) at the end of the show, Sam Wilson was like, hey, drugs are bad, you know, don't do drugs, and and it's like, okay, well, like, that doesn't make sense to talk about right now, like, yes, it's good that you're trying to fight for, like, the the good fight, but, uh, you know, it just it it didn't really land however that was my only real uh complaint about the sam wilson character because i thought they did a really good job with him he was like you know working on the shield stuff it didn't come quickly to him so they made him really earn it like they they didn't just like jump ahead in time with it like he was good with the wings but he wasn't really good with anything else he had to go earn it in the show and i i like that and i appreciated it but um if they do a season two i'm sure the season two will be better so all right that's it on reviews. Um, going to do a top five because I said I was going to. I said there was one thing I wanted to loop in with the Olympics, right? Earlier I was talking about the Olympics and that there's Olympic trials and that there, Team USA is dealing with some problems. Between players going into the health and safety protocol, Kevin Love dropping out, Chris Middleton and uh, Devin Booker and Drew Bledsoe being in the NBA Finals right now, there are six members of Team USA. I believe it's Bam Adebayo, uh, Jason Tatum, um, Kevin Durant, Dame Lillard, and I'm missing. I'm you know I'm missing two others, but uh, the point is we need some we need some backups. We need some guys to come in here, and who better than calling upon the Avengers, right? call on the heroes because we need to go win gold in Japan and we need an American team of basketball players and I'm calling the Avengers for their help. So, if we were to send the Avengers to go compete in basketball, this is the five I'm picking. Now, a couple rules because everyone, you know, when when you're making a sports teams of Avengers, you want to know some things. All right. I'm allowing superpowers. Leaping, jumping, all of that is good. If you can jump out of the gym, that's great. But I'm not going to let you fly around and just stay in the air the whole time. So if you want Sam Wilson, if you want him, he can fly up and down the court, but he can't just stay stationary flying and block shots and things like that. That's going to be cheating because we're going to assume you have to have two feet on the ground unless you're moving. Okay, uh, so that's one rule. Uh, next rule, got to be from USA. This is Team USA. Okay, so that's that rules out some things. Thor, you're from Asgard. You're not. You're not Team USA. Uh, Wanda Maximoff. A lot of people love her abilities, but she's from Sokovia, not Team USA. Uh, another one I really wanted to include: uh, uh I feel like with his abilities, with his suit, uh, he would have been a really like you know helpful player on this team, but he's from Wakanda, not Team USA. Um, your suits and your armor. That's all good. It's part of your Team USA uniform. Uh, for this one. Uh, we're just going to just assume that even though you're going to be competing with these other nations, they don't have suits of armor and stuff. Is it really code? Is it uniform? Um, I'm going to say yes still, but you got to be able to hide it a little bit. And I'll explain that in a little bit. All right. Um, and then finally, oh yeah, FIBA rules apply. So they're competing in the Olympics. So we're not doing NBA rules, FIBA rules. All right. Honorable mention. I said Black Black Panther. I said Thor, uh, Iron Man. I'm not including Iron Man. Uh, whether it's because this suit might get outlawed at the you know when we go to Tokyo, or just I think he could be selfish at times. And I think uh, if we're gonna have like a team full of guys that we want running up and down the court, and we're picking superheroes, he's not the one I want to pick because as much fun as he is to be around at parties or he funny he is to watch in movies he's not my guy on the basketball court I want uh, team players and yes, I know, he makes the ultimate team play, sacrificing himself but if he sacrifices himself in the last game for Team USA, but was selfish all the games earlier, that's not going to be much help we will win gold, we need to win these games now alright, my point guard I'm going with Peter Parker not everyone's choice, right? Well, he is athletic. He has shown that he has enhanced abilities from the spider bite. So uh, while he comes off as super normal, regular kid, he does have those super abilities. His spidey sense is going to come in huge when he's expecting things like the backdoor pass, when he's anticipating where a guy might pass the ball next, uh, if he knows you know, a guy's a triple threat pass, is he going to shoot, is he going to pass? defensively, I think the Spidey sense is going to come in and help a lot. Uh, His Spidey sense also going to help to find the open man, even if he doesn't see him. No look passes coming into play here. So point guard, I think Spider-Man, Peter Parker, great fit. And sticky hands defensively, that's going to help. You know, We've all seen all the clips of any Spider-Man origin movie where he just grabs the ball and it's stuck to his hand. I mean, Andrew Garfield had a really stupid scene about it, but it shows he can play basketball. So I like Peter Parker there. Um, also, if the web shooters, if he could sneak them underneath his uh, his uniform and find a way to get those pass, that's a huge thing defensively as well because he's intercepting passes in the passing lane with his sticky fingers and his web shooters. That's huge for me. Uh, So I like that at the point guard position. Not to mention, I want some younger guys because I don't want just a bunch of old guys playing old man basketball. I need a young kid who knows like young basketball games and knows how to play today's game. All right, shooting guard. Not a lot of people are going to love this pick. I think it's good. Clint Barton, Hawkeye. The guy doesn't miss. Yes, it's a different sport, archery, but He's not a master of archery because of just being good at archery. He it, it's skill and it's it's instinct, and he's like hitting targets without even looking at them. His aim is flawless, and I think that's translatable because we know he's an athlete. We know you know we we know he he has the baseball glove from Endgame. It, I, that's like some uh, tongue-in-cheek joke, but he is super athletic from. His fighting days as Ronan, where he would just basically kill cartels with his sword. So we know he can master an arrow. He can master uh, a sword. I think he's going to be able to master the three-point shot. I think he's going to be a can't-miss guy. That guy you have on your pickup team in the gym where like you just get him the ball, and if you give him any separation, he's knocking down the open jumper. Um, defensively, might be a little bit of a liability. Uh, however, I think we're going to be able to make up for that with the other defenders on the team. Parker's spidey sense going to be able to help out, and the next couple guys definitely going to be able to help out. So, I really like Barton, though, as the sharpshooter. He's going to open up the driving lanes for my next guy, my small forward, and that's Vision, all right? Now, you're going to say Vision, not human, but he was able to get away with it in WandaVision. So, if we can have him disguise as like Human Vision, which he has done in not just *WandaVision*, but in *Avengers: um, Infinity War*. If we can have him, you know, kind of like you know, get to that person, we can start him at Small forward. Paul Bettany, already a tall, lanky guy, so that helps us on basketball court. And my favorite part about his game, his slashing ability. Vision has the ability to go through whatever he wants. Imagine guarding a guy who can just walk through you without fouling you, without touching you. I mean, that's amazing. Defensively, it's very helpful because he's going to be able to get around picks like easier than he's un, You can't pick him, you know. He'll just go through you, and then when he sees the ball coming, he'll like you know zap back into his body or whatever and deflect the passes. Um, he has the flight ability. So, uh, and we've seen him do super jumps. I mean, he is like Tony Stark's creation. So power wise, he's going to be super able to do anything. And I know I said the flying rule, but I think that just goes to show the leaping ability that he's going to be able to be a defensive menace where he's going to be glued to you because you can't pick him. You can't shake him because he can just basically appear wherever he wants. Um, I think that's going to be huge in terms of defense. Offensively, think of oh, sorry guys, wait, somebody throwing out trash and Nola lost it. My mistake for the uh, you know, my dog barking in your ears. Hope that didn't bother anyone. But offensively, vision. Think about, you know, guarding him and he just runs through you and you just got to like, you know, and he zooms through you too. Who's he's moving fast. He's the ultimate slasher. You know, he's like I, I mean, not to mention He's like a, like a, like a, you know, he's not a wizard, but he's an android. He's the smartest being in the, like, you know, the universe, I believe. He has the mind stone, is part of him. So add all of that up. He knows how to shoot because he's like, he could just basically take the math into every, into the equation and be like, well, I need to shoot, you know, considering my legs have this much energy kinetically, and I am this far, I need to shoot at this angle to put it in the basket perfectly, I'd imagine he would be the perfect shooter because he knows exactly how to put the ball in the hoop. Have you ever seen Prometheus? The beginning of Prometheus, uh, Michael Fassbender, he's a robot in it, um, he just, every time he just throws like these, like, you know, uh, hook shots from like the three point line while he's riding a bike and it goes in every time. That's because he's a robot. He knows exactly when to shoot it, how to shoot it, how much energy to put in because it's a math equation. Basketball can be math when you're pa- when you're moving the ball because you're trying to put it from point A to point B. So vision, great shooter confirmed because of math. And then since he's like an android and he can get through things with his like slashing ability. I think he's going to be like our leading scorer at the three. All right, at the four. Now we need a glue guy because we have three players Peter Parker, Clint Barton, and Vision who haven't really played together that much. You know, um, they, you know, Spider Man had uh, a very brief appearance in Civil War. Then he's dealt with stuff in New York where he hasn't been with these guys. But in Civil War, I mean, that was just like mayhem. You know, he was on. Team Iron Man, which was also uh, Team, like, you know, like like everything was kind of like crazy then, um, and you know Clint Barton and Vision he only met for like that scene. Uh, Vision and Barton were at odds at you know each other before, so these guys could use some seasoning together, and who's somebody that's worked with them all is Steve Rogers. Now Steve Rogers hasn't been with Peter Parker that much, but I think Peter Parker is going to look up to him like he did Tony Stark. And I think that's, I, I, that's why I'd rather have Steve Rogers at the four than Tony Stark. Number one, super soldier serum. He can jump. He can run. He is athletic. Uh, he's everything you want on a guy that's going to be running up and down the floor in international play of basketball. You know he can dunk. You know he can do everything athletically. But he is a team player. He's not out there for rebounds. He's not out there for the points, the glory. He's always looking for the next man he's always the one that's gonna be willing to dive on the grenade or the loose ball in this case I like it I think he's gonna be a perfect glue guy for us where my center's getting all the rebounds anyway so I don't need him in there um, but you know for rebounds but I think he's gonna play really good defense uh, and I don't think he even needs the shield out there he'll have a version of the shield on his uniform uh, hashtag America but he's a glue guy. I don't need him out there for points, I need him out there to bring the team together. And my center is Bruce Banner, obviously Hulk version, and not the recent Endgame version. This is where our sixth man is gonna come into to to play, Uh, and I'll just say it right now, Loki. Loki's my sixth man. And you're saying, okay, number one, Loki from Asgard. Yes, but we have seen that there are now other Lokis in the universe. Maybe none of them are from USA, but Loki is the god of mischief. If anyone can fake an ID, a U.S. passport, anything like that, to the the right credentials to be an American, it's him. So I'm not worried about his eligibility. Um, I am slightly worried about uh, the you know his intentions and things, but if he wants to rule. Gold medal is the first way to go. He's he's got he's got to get in with the Americans and get this gold medal. Um, so that's a good part of it. And think about him on the court. He's the god of mischief. That's another great defensive player. Where you, you now see three Loki's. You don't know which one's guarding you. Uh, you don't. You might not even know if that's you're covering the right Loki as he's slashing to the hoop, or if he's got the ball at all because he's hiding it. Like that's all going to be very helpful. And with his ability to now reach other uh, universes, he's gonna get me Hulk in a different time frame. He's not gonna get the one that was in Endgame. That one is no use to me uh, because he lost his tenacity, his passion, his like furiousness. I need the one that was winning battles on Sakar. I need the one that was Planet Hulk. You know, someone that like you could communicate with, but knows. Listen, I'm blocking. Every shot that goes up at the rim, I am getting every rebound. And if I want to on the rebound, I'm leaping at the other basket and I'm dunking it. Hopefully, not going to get a charge because, you know, like, you know, everyone can take charges on Hulk. But uh, that's my all defensive player. We're not giving up any points with these guys, especially if Peter Parker is going to be sneaky on defense and try and like cheat a little bit. And if Clint Barton is like, Uh, a weakness on defense i want somebody at the rim that's going to block everything uh so yeah that's my that's my team parker and barton at the guards vision and rogers on the wing and uh bruce banner manning the middle uh with loki coming off the bench dr strange is obviously my coach because you know he's uh a wizard he's the you know sorcerer supreme what else could you want from a guy, uh, from your coach, the guy that knows exactly what to do to win the game? Remi- re- you know, reminder how Endgame ended. He knew exactly what to do to win uh, the war against Thanos. So that makes a lot of sense. So that's my team. Strange is the coach. Loki's the sixth man. Parker Barton, Vision, Rogers, Banner. We're taking on the gold. That's no question. All right. All right, last but not least, I'm doing a top five. I'm gonna make it quick because I'm out of breath and it's been an hour 43 minutes. All right, my top five is actually a bottom five. It's the five worst MCU bad guys. Look, we've talked about the MCU a lot tonight. Um, there have been a lot of really good bad guys. You know, Kang, Loki. Uh, you know, Kang to come. I basically like he had a great intro, but Loki has been phenomenal. Thanos was great. I thought Red Skull was really good. I think there's a lot of really good bad guys out there. Baron Zemo. But we have seen some pretty bad ones. So in the MCU, the five worst bad guys. I'm going to start right here. I'm going to do a tie for fifth right now. Um, And I'm going to say the main villain or like the big front villain in the Iron Man movies. All three of them. Okay, Number one, the Mandarin, uh, fun, I- you know, in Iron Man 3, fun idea, uh, but, like, a really weird, like, drop the ball concept that it was just Ben Kingsley was an actor, and Guy Pierce was, like, you know, melting shit, uh, because he had this, like, weird, uh, I don't know, I feel like they, they regretted everything about, uh, Iron Man 3, um, so, like, that's, you know, that's part of it, is the Iron Man 3 bad guys, but also Whiplash and Iron Man 2. I liked Justin Hammer. I actually liked Justin Hammer, and I hope they bring him back. he would he, You could slide him into being, like, the weapons guy for uh, whatever Thunderbolts or Dark Avengers are coming on. That'd be really cool. But I thought um, Justin Hammer was good, but I thought Whiplash was boring, um, and, and I just feel like... And you know, to file file up Iron Man 1 and be like, all right, we did awesome, it's time to launch off the MCU, you're like, what what is this? Like, a guy that just, like, you know, basically is like, hey, Iron Man, like, I know how to do what you do, I, I don't know how to do it as good as you, but I can do some stuff, and it was like, Mickey Rourke, like, I don't know. It was just, like, lacking a little bit. I don't think it, it's as bad, but I think when you combine all the Iron Man bad guys together, you're like, what the hell? Like, like this is Iron Man. These bad guys should be better than this. Um, and then uh, the Obadiah stain, but also, like, you know, he was, like, kind of a bad guy. Um, and then I-, I liked him being a villain, but then when he put on the suit and he had that, like, super clunky Iron Man suit that, like, obviously was never going to work out, Um and I, I didn't like that it was like all about like you know shares and money and shit when it's like all these other things are going on and I said I can typically find a way to like separate myself but like I don't know I felt like uh, I felt like they should bring Jeff Bridges back into the MCU as a different character because um, you know he is a good actor but that character I felt like was lacking um, so it, just like you know. I don't think he's the worst. I don't think Whiplash is the worst, but I think the Iron Man three ones are bad. I just feel like it was a huge disappointing the Iron Man bad guys together. All right, number four, I'm putting the Ghost in there from Ant Man two. Could have put in Cross from the first Ant Man movie. Uh, He wasn't that great, Uh, but Ghost wasn't even a bad guy. He was just a burglar, and she was just in pain, so she was just trying to like you know not be in pain anymore, and it was like. Lawrence Fishburne was the front man or was like the backer for her to like get her health and it was like after this whole movie you're like all right that wasn't really even a bad guy it was just like a kid like trying to like you know that was like dealing with some like really weird like quantum shit um so bad bad guy not good but here's where it really drops off all right number three the third worst bad guy I'm putting as Drakov. he was in Black Widow for like 10 minutes Uh, he didn't really have any good lines or good scenes. I feel like they were like, shit, we never cast Dracov. Like, who's available? They're like, Ray Winstone. Do we have a plan for Ray Winstone? Like, no, not really. Like, all right, just tell Ray Winstone to show up. We'll give him a couple lines and he'll do it. And I was like, I never felt scared of him. I never felt like he had that much power. They did such a good job with so many other elements of the movie and Drakov was nothing. They introduced him in the beginning of the movie and they killed him off at the end of the movie and it was like, what just happened? Like, was he even there? So not a fan of Drakov. I could have put Taskmaster in here, but um, Taskmaster at least had cool scenes and was a cool fighter and was a huge part of these trailers to get people to go to the movie. Uh, big letdown, but certainly not a, a bottom five bad guy. Uh, the number two bad, g- worst bad guy, Malekith and the Dark Elves. Um, yeah, I mean, just, like, everyone knows Thor 2 sucked. Uh, it, like, they didn't really offer much. Like, the Frost Giants were a huge step up from these guys who were just, like, we just want darkness. And, like, weren't all that menacing, had one plan to just unleash the Dark Ether and, uh you know, like, create darkness, and it was like, well, yeah, but you can't beat Thor, like, come on, and that movie just stunk, everyone knows it's the worst MCU movie, so, like, the, you know, and part of it is because of their bad guy, um, but before I say number one, honorable mention, you know, um, I, I wanted to see more from the, uh, the Children of Thanos, I thought, like, they could be better but they certainly weren't this low. I just wanted us to, like, meet them earlier so that, like, if they died in the movies, it wouldn't be, like, such a, like, you know, it was, like, nothing when they died. It was, like, all right, whatever. Like, I met her an hour ago. I don't even know her name. Um, But, like, so, like, those are disappointing, but they weren't bottom five. Um, I forget the guy's name, but Thanos is, like, henchman in Avengers that he's, like, his servant, like terrible bad guy but he's not really even a bad guy he's just kind of like a henchman so like hard to really put him on this list when like all he never really did anything he was just like a middleman a communicator from loki to thanos um and then the final honorable mention is probably uh the other like wizards in the or other sorcerers in the doctor strange kind of like side of things I feel like, uh, they could have been a lot better, uh, the Doctor Strange movie was based on just, like, looking really cool, and, like, really cool theme, but, uh, you know, especially like Mads Mikkelsen and Chiwetel Ejiofor, like, you can write better characters for them, like, come on, like, that's better, so, you know, they're, they're not completely out of the universe, I, I expect to see a lot more of Chiwetel Ejiofor, but, um, uh, maybe not Mads Mikkelsen, but, uh, so we'll see what's to come, but they need to write their, those characters better, like, that that's a—that's disappointing, number one is definitely the Flag Smashers, worst bad guy in the MCU, they are just kids that are spoiled, and want the world to go back to when there was less people, so they uh, want a super, super soldier serum for everybody, I, I don't really know, it's the worst bad guy uh it brought down captain america or captain falcon or falcon and the winter soldier um it brought that show down so much uh they really should have they should have changed gears a lot in that show uh so really bad bad guy the worst one they had to offer all right to spare you from a two-hour podcast we are done thank you for listening to this one had a lot more sports than i thought. Had a lot more Marvel than I thought. But you know what? We had a lot to get to. Gonna do another Marvel podcast this fall uh, to review What If, um, to review Shang-Chi, uh, probably include Venom in that, and then preview Hawkeye, uh, Spider-Man, Eternals, uh, You know, maybe some other stuff too. So we'll do another Marvel one for the end of the year. I'll have a guest on for that, and maybe it'll run a little smoother. Maybe um, we'll do top five bad guys or top or bottom five Avengers. You know, we'll do another we'll do another podcast all about that. So it'll be a lot of fun. Uh, we'll get back to the NBA draft is coming up soon. NFL camp is coming up. The MLB trade deadline. Uh, I didn't even talk Stanley Cup, but you know what? It was fun watching the Islanders for a little bit. But then when it ended, up, you know, they were a lot of fun uh beating boston was cool but when it ended up just being tampa versus montreal there was like that got really boring so it was fun watching that there's more golf to be had this summer there's olympics to be had a lot of fun i'm going to come back next week with another podcast and we're going to preview a couple sports things and get to some other things too we're going to open it up a little bit things are going to change thanks for listening to the pod and uh talk to you guys later